Well, welcome today to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you with us. And uh, I apologize in advance. My voice is a little bit off um, because I've got whatever this creeping crud is that's going on. So I'm going to be drinking my, my tea from Starbucks. Somebody asked me the other day, is it all right we have Starbucks in church? Certainly, as long as you bring me some, that's good. Nobody ever brings me any. Aww, don't you feel sorry for me? No, I'm just teasing. So, um, but uh, we're in our series on the blessed life. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. Luke's Josh Gospel, chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen in a couple minutes when we get there. But uh, we're in this series on the blessed life. This is week three. And, uh, and the blessed life, basically the definition that we're operating with is that the blessed life is a life that's on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. And so today I want to talk to you about a subject I have never preached on. Matter of fact, it's, uh, this word is only found four times in scripture. It's translated by translators differently in different versions. I'll talk about it in a minute. But basically it's a biblical view of finance. Uh, I'm not taking a special offering. This has really has nothing to do with an offering. Um, but, it's, but, but when you understand what I'm going to say today from a biblical perspective and a spiritual perspective, uh, it really will become very freeing to you in the area of your finance. It will also become very enabling and blessing to you and allow God to bless you. So this isn't about a special offering. This isn't, I'm not going to tell you, hey, if you give a certain amount of money, that you're going to get a certain blessing. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you if you do this, that. It's not about that. This is about how God views this thing called money. And, and there's a real view in this. So Jesus talks about this. Uh, and the two times that this word is used is in the Gospels. Uh, and it's used in these basically these parallel accounts. Matthew writes about this account that Jesus speaks of. And Luke also is writing about it. I like Luke. Luke gives a little bit more definition. Matthew is a tax collector, so he's an accountant. And Matthew is a physician, so you can't read his writing, but it's a little bit more detailed. I'll be here all week, all right? But sometimes what happens is you see these different perspectives of, some of the exact same situations. So Luke is talking, as Jesus is speaking to, to basically to the church, he's speaking to spiritual leaders and, and people that don't get this, that should get this. And he talks about it, Luke chapter 16, verse number 10, and he said, He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in which is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful with the unrighteous mammon, that's what I'm going to talk about today, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you've not been faithful with another man's, who will give you what's your own? Verse 13, for no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. For you cannot serve both God and mammon. Okay? So, now let me, let me explain something here. The Bible that you hold in your hand, there's probably at least a dozen different translations that people have today in your hands. There are well over a hundred translations of the Bible. A translation is much like if, if I had someone here that was speaking in Spanish... And you are a Spanish-speaking people, and I speak in English, and they, take, they understand English, and then they translate my words into Spanish. They're translating. Um, they're going to have words that don't perfectly match. They don't have the same number of words. It's going to sound different, but it's going to convey the same meaning or essence. Does that make sense? The Bible that you hold, 
was written in three original languages, Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. And so what happens is, is you have from these three languages, Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew, you have translations that are written. Uh, the most profound up until the last 100 years was the King James Version, which was written by or under the direction of King James. Okay? That's the, the name. And so people in the, in the Bible don't speak in Old English. It was just the most popular. In the last 100 plus years, we have all of these new translations. NIV, NCV, NASB. I mean, you go on and on and on. And basically, what the idea behind it is, is that they're subjugating these verbs and these nouns in such a way to convey greater in depth and meaning. Some of you, that how, the Bible that you have in your hand, I just read from what's called the New King James Version. And if you have the New King James or King James, it says the word mammon. If you have an NIV, NCV, NASB, it says the word money. The problem with the word money, from my perspective and from some scholarship that you'll read, is that it doesn't clearly define what's meant by that. Because Paul writes to Timothy and says that money is not the root of all evil. You read this passage and you think that it's, it's, a, it's this thing between God and money. It's, and it's not. Uh, that would mean that anybody that has any amount of wealth or money would be ungodly. You can't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. Matter of fact, if you read in Scripture, you'll find that there were very many blessed people. Joseph of Arimathea was a very, very wealthy individual who was a follower of Jesus Christ who actually gave his tomb for Jesus to be buried into. So God uses wealthy people. Aquila and Priscilla, who financed some of the missionary journeys that Paul went on the New Testament, you find out that these individuals were very much blessed and used up by God. So you go through these, these passages and you realize that there's maybe a little bit more depth to it. And that's why I want to dive into this word mammon. I know it doesn't sound like it has any relevance to your life. And if I were sitting where you were sitting, I might have the, the go, okay, can I just turn them off for like the next 20 minutes? I need to do a grocery list. I just need to think about what I'm going to eat tonight or tomorrow or today. Just walk with me because I want to explain this word mammon because it has huge significance to you financially, personally. Okay. All right, mammon, basically, here's the definition of mammon. It's the attitude of the love of money. So it's more than just money. Money in itself is neutral. It's the attitude of the love of money. The word mammon is found four times in Scripture, both in these accounts, two times in Luke and two times in Matthew, but only in this one account, and Jesus uses it. It's an Aramaic word which has its original origin and, and means a Syrian god of riches. Mammon was a Syrian god of, of riches, which originated in Babylon. You go to the Old Testament, Babylon is, a, is an empire, it's a people group, uh, during the time of Daniel. And so the Babylonian Empire was, 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 was the formidable uh, civilization on the planet at that time, and they were regarded as ungodly and worldly. Babylon's name originates back in Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. The word babble uh, basically means uh, nothing. It means confusion. That's where we talk about people babbling on and on, or a baby will babble. It doesn't make any sense. It's incoherent. Genesis chapter 11 talks about how these people were all unified by their language, and so they were trying to build a tower to get to heaven. Basically, they wanted to circumvent God is what they were trying to do. And so God, God, in an act of basically disdain and in an act of, of rebuke to their behavior, he confuses their language. And he confuses, he confuses it from one language to many, many languages. So the word Babel means confusion. Babylon means sown in confusion. So it's an empire that's sown in confusion. Does, that make, does this make sense more in a second? 
So mammon represents a powerful, arrogant spirit of humanity that basically says this, we don't need God, we can do it on our own. And it goes all the way back to Babylon. It goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. It's the same spirit that says, we don't need God, we can circumvent him. That's what they did in Genesis chapter 11. The the empire of Babylon. We don't need God, we can circumvent him. Jesus is talking about it here, and he's referring to Mammon, this god of riches of the Assyrians, which were the Babylon, from, from Babylon. And, and basically, it, this is this, there's a spirit of, of Mammon that we don't need God, we can do it on our own. Now, so Jesus is saying this. So what does this mean? It means this, that all money has a spirit on it. I know that sounds a little bit, just walk with me. All money, all your resources have a spirit on it. Jesus is saying here, you cannot serve both God, which is spiritual, and mammon, which is also spiritual. Mammon is a spirit of, I don't need God. I don't need any of this. So when I say spirit, I mean that there's a spiritual force behind money. If you don't think money is powerful, you, let, you watch somebody who gets a lot of money. If you don't think money is powerful, you watch somebody who's had a lot of money and it's gone. Money's a very powerful force. And all money has a spirit on it. And what this passage says, it either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of mammon on it. So it's more than just you can't serve both God and money. It's mammon. And Jesus makes it clear. There's a dichotomy here he's illustrating. There's either God and his way or there is this way that circumvents God, which is that of mammon. And the money in your account, the money in your hand, the money in your purse, the money within your purview has either the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon on it. What's the difference? How do you know? <laughs> I mean, we don't like, there's not like a button at the ATM that goes, okay, this is spirit of God money or this is spirit of mammon money. It doesn't happen. And, 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 and if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, this may sound really crazy, but just hear me out. Just listen to and this is what I'm trying to explain what Jesus was saying here, what they would have understood. Here's the difference. A godly spirit of money is used to worship God and help his creation. A godly spirit of money is used to worship God and help his creation. Used to worship God and help his creation. Let me explain this to you. One of the ways we worship God is through our tithes and offerings. That's Old Testament. That's New Testament. It's God's. We give it to God. We talked about it last weekend. We give it first. We give 10% of our income. We don't, we don't give it to man. We give it as unto God because God is the one that blesses. And Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, 11, and 12 says, As we bring the tithe, God will open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing upon us so great we don't, have room enough, we don't have room enough to contain it. He'll bless the work of our hands and bless our testimony. So when we give unto God, what we go work hard for during the week we're trading days for dollars. We're trading our intellect for, for, for resources. We're, we're trading, we're, we're trading our, our skill sets and exchange employers or our businesses or the marketplace. Says here is money. Here are checks. Here's whatever. Then we take a portion of that and say, God, this belongs to you. I want to honor you with this. I want to give this to you. So that's what I mean by worshiping God with your finances. Giving to missions. You know, giving to, giving, giving to in, in an offering, giving to the church, giving, giving, to, giving to someone that's in need. Um, giving, okay? So you give it as unto the Lord. The second thing, though, is, is that, that I just said there is help his creation. That's you. You're his creation, right? I'm his creation, right? God has no problem with you being taken care of. He wants there to be food and resources in his house, but he also wants there to be food in your house, right? He created you to eat. 
Did he or did he not? Thank God he did. Some of it, you're, you're way too deep on this subject. Just, just it, right? God created your body to eat. And so, so he wants you to use those resources that you have to, to eat. He wants you to use those resources that you have to live. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be able to bless your kids and your grandkids. He wants you to be able to enjoy life. You, you know God created the heavens and the earth. Not for this to be some grueling, horrible thing. But the creation of this world, he made it for you and I to enjoy. You read Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. God never created this world for it to be a battleground of testing between good and evil. He created it. He created you and I in his image and his likeness. And he created us to be in relationship with him that we would enjoy the birds of the field and the beasts of the air and the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea. He created all of these things for our enjoyment and for our pleasure. The Bible says that. So for you to, to enjoy, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so when you do that and when you honor him and when you take the rest of your resources and you bless your family, he's honored by that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't hear that. Sometimes all we hear is give, 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 the, you know, give, Betsy, give, the family's got to live. This isn't a dairy farm. We're, we're not trying to get through, right? This isn't the depression. This is about a time where we honor God and then we give. Now, that's with a godly spirit. An ungodly spirit of money or mammon is used for selfish greed and want. An ungodly spirit of money or mammon is used for selfish greed and want. Mammon, this is where greed and envy live. This is where hoarding comes from. This is where the sky is falling. There's never going to be enough. I'm never going to make enough. I got to save. I got to. I got to put it back. I got to put it back. I, 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 or, or it's all about me. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's intoxicating. It's all about greed. It's all about what I have. See, mammon tries to take the place of God. That's what Jesus is saying. Look, you can't serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve a spirit in this world, which is predominantly on finance. Or, or makes itself that way, and you cannot serve God. You will love one and hate the other, or hate the one and love the, love the other. But you cannot serve both of them. But mammon tries to usurp the authority of God. It has all the way through, and tries to take the pro- place of God. Mammon tries to promise us everything that only God can give. Mammon promises us security. If you just have enough, what, money, you'll be able to make it through retirement. Because we see these shows and we see these places. I'm never going to make it. and I'm going to be eating dog food, living out of a government-subsidized housing somewhere. Mammon says, you better save it. You better not give anything up. You better not help anybody. Mammon says, it's it's about identity, right? People identify you by their social class and what you have and what you don't have. And don't give that up. Mammon promises freedom. If you have more money, you will be more free. It's a lie, but it's what it says. Mammon says, hey, if you have more money, you'll be happier. Mammon says, with more money, more people will respect you. Mammon says, you can have a good marriage if you just have more money. That's not true. Only God can give you security. Only God can give you identity. Only God can give you significance. Only God can give you purpose. Only God can give you love and peace and joy. Only God can, but mammon will try to promise. Why? Because mammon wants to own you. Here's what mammon wants to do. Remember it says you cannot serve two masters. Mammon is looking for you to serve it. You don't think there's not a spirit on money. You watch people who get up and work hard. They work their fingers to the bone and they have nothing to show for it. I feel sorry for those people. I see people like that inside church and outside church because they don't have a healthy, godly view of their finances. And what happens is, is they spend all their days toiling, all their energy, and they, they'll work 50 weeks a year for two weeks off. 
They spend every day just trying to stay ahead. It's just trying to prep, just trying to stay ahead, just trying to stay ahead. They never get ahead. They don't have, and, and that's what Mammon wants to do. It wants to own you. Visa, MasterCard, American Express want to own you. That mortgage wants to own you. Because to be in debt, you become a debtor to whatever that is. And the lie is, well, you just need a little bit more. You just need a little bit of this. You need a little bit of that. Swipe. Just swipe your way to happiness. Swipe. You'll pay later. Just swipe. That's spirit of mammon. You just need more. You, you know, if you had this, it'd be better. If you did this, it'd be okay. You know, everybody does it. Swipe. Right? It's, it's people that, that can't admire without the need to acquire. They have to see it and have it. It's that monster of more that comes out. That's mammon. It's that thing, I've got to have more, and I've got to have more, and I've got to have more. And, or it's that whole thing of, of I've got I to hold on to it. I've got to hold on to it. Every time you go to, 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 to help somebody financially, oh, there's something, oh, don't give it away. Uh, 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 or you go to, you go to, to write a check for missions. Oh, you know, be, be careful. Be careful. Life's only so big. The, the pie's only so big. You know, you, you, you go to write a, a bit for the building fund. Oh, don't pledge too much. Don't, don't, don't get yourself out there. Now, that, that's thin ice. You'll get yourself in trouble. That's what Mammon says. You'll never have enough. You'll never have enough. And here's another big fat lie that Mammon says. If you had more money, you could help more people. You ever thought that? Don't point, it's not nice. Can I tell you what helps people? God helps people. Money doesn't help people. Jesus never, ever, ever told anyone that the answer to their problems was money. Never. Resources are a byproduct. Resources are a secondary thing. It, it, that's the thing is, God doesn't need it. it, it it's, it's so far beyond that. So is money evil? No. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says that the love of money is what's evil. That the love of riches, the love of mammon, the love of something other than God, that's the root of evil. Money in and of itself is neutral. But the way you and I view money, the way we use money, and how we interact with resources, it has a spirit on it. It's either the spirit of God, and it's used to worship Him and help His creation, or it has the spirit of mammon on it, which is all about me and my and greed. Let me tell you something. Greed, it, it, the, the, the thing in our society that comes out very strong with this whole ideology of mammon is materialism. And some of you are going, I'm glad he's going to talk about materialistic people. Because I saw somebody in the parking lot pull up in a really nice shiny car, and I'm glad he's going to talk about that now. Hold your horses, right? Just chill out. Materialism begins where your income ends. Materialism isn't a dollar amount. Materialism has nothing to do with the dollar amount. Matter of fact, some of the most materialistic people I know are poor people. Because they, they, are, they are obsessed with what everybody else has and what they don't have. Their focus is on what they don't have and what everybody else has. And that guy that pulled up in the bins in the parking lot, he didn't even think about the car he's driving. It's so far beyond. He's, it's not even registering in his mind. But you are griping all the way to church. I can't believe I have to drive this beater of a car and this is just so stupid and defective. 
and if I had more money, and if I had the spirit of mammon. It's materialism. Listen, you talk to someone who makes $30,000 a year, and they go, man, my lifestyle is not materialistic. The guy that's making six figures, $100,000, that's materialistic. Talk to the guy that makes $100,000 a year, he'll go, man, I don't live materialistic. The guy making a quarter million, now that's materialism. The guy making a quarter million goes, that's not materialistic, it's a million dollars. It's funny, it's always more than what you're making, isn't it? And, and the reality, though, is the guy that makes a million, he looks at the guy that's making 10 or 100 million, it, it's all relative. The reality is, is, is the question, isn't it, do you have things, but the question is, do things have you? That's spirit of mammon. I can't give this up. I can't walk away from this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't, I can't write a check that big, God, not because I don't have it in the account, but because I don't trust you because i got to hold on to that. I, I can't walk away from this job and go into vocational ministry because I can't leave a very co- a comfortable position on staff at a large church in Oklahoma and go to Germantown and pastor that church with 100 people. Lord, I'm going to walk away from a new house. My, what am I going to tell my wife? I'm going to have to rent an apartment. Do you know how, how crazy high taxes are in Germantown and, and Wisconsin? And you would think there's, there's like oil under that ground. And, and, right? But you do it. Why? Because you don't have things. You may have things, but things don't have you. But when things own you, when things operate you, when you become identified by those things, that's the spirit of mammon. And Jesus says it this way. You can serve God where money is a tool or mammon where money is God. It's your choice. You can serve God where money is but a tool. It's a resource. That's all money is. Just a way to get things done. Or mammon where money is God. And that's how you view your resources. You either either view it as you are but a steward and he is the owner. And you are simply doing what he's asking or you view it as it's God and it's king. Now, how do you break the spirit of mammon? There's two ways that you break the spirit of mammon. There, there are two things that you can do proactively in your life to make sure that this doesn't happen. Because this is, this is a tendency that we can all have from time to time. And, and when you do these things, you operate in these things. Let me help you with this. You're gonna, it's going to give you financial freedom in your life. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you the blessing of God. Okay. Again, if you look back at Luke's gospel, chapter 16, verse 10, 11, and 12 kind of gives us these things. He who's faithful in least is also faithful in much. Who's unjust in least is also unjust in much. If you haven't been faithful in it with unrighteous mammon, who's going to commit true riches, godly riches? That's what he means by that, true, meaning godly. If you haven't been faithful in what's, what's another man's, meaning as a steward, how are you going to be faithful with your own? So the first thing that you do to break a spirit of mammon is stewardship. You use God to use money or resources God's way. You take, it's a stewardship issue. You take the resources that you have and you use it God's way. You basically say, look, everything that I have is God's and I'm going to honor God with it and I'm going to do it the way he wants me to do it. This is huge. This is a complete game changer for perspective. Because all of a sudden this says, I don't own it. I'm simply here to steward this. It also says that to whom much is given, much is required. So the more that God gives me, the more I have a responsibility to make sure that I steward it and that I leverage it for the kingdom. That says, if you own a company, Mr. Businessman or Miss Businesswoman, that you have a responsibility to leverage that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't answer to me. You do not answer to any man. You answer unto the Lord, but you will give an account for that. 
Remember what Jesus said about the, in the parable of the man who, who had more and had more and had more and he built barns and bigger barns? And the, and the Bible says, you fool, today your very life will be taken from you. Meaning, somebody else is going to squander your wealth. So, and here's what's funny to me about this. I think sometimes people, and I'm not saying that Warren Buffett isn't a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know Mr. Buffett personally. Or Bill Gates is not a follower of Jesus Christ. But these are two incredibly wealthy Americans who actually get this principle. That they're given their wealth to do something with it, to leverage it for the good of mankind. And it's not to be given in a bank account for the next generation to blow it. But it's been given to them as a tool to change. I heard Bill Gates speak this week about eradicating certain types of diseases and certain types of of issues that are happening in the world. He's leveraging what he has in order to help. And and I really think, no disrespect to Mr. Gates, he has a lot of money, but I really think the Church of Jesus Christ, we are designed in the very format of how we do life and how we're supposed to honor God in order to really be the people that are doing this and we're best suited to do this. Stewardship. But it boils down to stewardship. It boils down to how you view your resources. Do you view your resources that everything's given to you for you to consume or do you view it that you are but a steward and God's the owner? So how do you do this? What practical things? First of all, honor God first. Honor God first. Tithes, offerings. We talked about that last week, and I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but you honor God with, with, with first. You honor him first with tithes and with offerings. Secondly, when God speaks to your heart, you give it. The enemy's never going to tell you to give and help someone. He's never going to do that. He's a liar and a thief and a stealer. He's never going to tell you. He's not a giver, and he's not generous. And so anything that comes inside of you that says you need to give... That's never coming from, I'm telling you, it's never coming from the devil. I know I like to argue with God too. Are you sure, God? Really? I need to write a check like that? Really, Lord? That missionary needs that that much. Come on, God. You're getting into my pizza money now. I mean, come on, Lord. I'm just saying to you that that's part of it. Acting as a steward and not as an owner. It's a totally different mindset. Do you really believe that what you have is God's? And if so, do you live life that way? I'm just telling you. Because you're either going to own money or money's going to own you. And if money owns you, it's because you're bowing your knee and you're getting up every Monday morning and going to work for the almighty dollar. Or it's a situation of you are turning around and you're saying, it doesn't own me. I'm here, God, whatever you want to do with it, it's yours. That's, and, and listen, I've said this before, it doesn't mean that you're not blessed. It doesn't mean that you don't go on vacation. It doesn't mean that you don't, you don't bless your family. You don't have a nice home. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means that you realize that God, whatever you want, is yours. And then you practice good biblical stewardship. Let me say this. In practicing good biblical stewardship, you cannot go and owe everybody in town and, and max your credit cards out and make stupid financial decisions and then just bring your tithe and expect God to eradicate that. You understand? You've got to practice not just one part of the Bible, but the whole Bible. You figured that out. <laughs> it's not just one part. You can't just take scissors to the, like, you know, don't, don't, go in and, you don't get into debt. Oh, man, that's messing up my, my dress. You know, that's dressing up my style. That's dressing up my... No, no, no. You have to fa- practice good biblical principles. And that means that, again, that you're putting money in savings. That means that, that, that you're, that you're, you're, you know, um, uh, debt, that you're watching your debt load and your debt limit because debt is not healthy at all. And you even have to watch that and monitor that and appreciate assets like homes. But, but the reality is that you're practicing good biblical principles. 
And I, and I like to say this, a very good place to start is 10% to God, 10% to yourself, live on the 80%. It creates margin in your life and also sets you up that if you live life that way, you'll never be a debtor to anybody. And so again, those are biblical values. The second thing that you do to, to basically break the spirit of mammon is generosity. Generosity. Good old-fashioned sharing. What you teach your toddlers to do. To share one with another. What, what do you mean, Aaron? I mean that you give to people. You help people. You bless people. You operate with generosity. I'm just going to tell you, I wish I was just like a natural, generous person. I'm not. I wish I was. I know you go, whoa pastor. I'm not perfect, you know, in case you didn't know that. <clears throat> I'm just like you, and I'm a type A personality. I've got a goal. I've got a focus. I've got a place I want to go, and I want to get to, and the reality is, is that if I'm not careful, what happens is, is that I will become all about me and my, and I just don't see the hurts and needs of people, and, and, and I love the barter. I mean, I love to, like, you know, I love to just, I, I, I love the whole, the whole thing, the whole competitive nature. I, I love buying cars. Not because I like the car, but I like the whole challenge of how much can I get it for. I'm that guy. I know that's crazy. Pray for me, all right? I'm just telling you. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just confessing my sins. This is cheaper than me going to a counselor, okay? So, and what I know is, if I don't monitor my heart, it gets crusty. So one of the reasons why in my life I strategically save, that comes natural to me, I strategically buy, uh, but I strategically give. And I have a strategy for giving in my life. Because here's the thing, giving will go off my radar very quickly. And so when the Lord speaks to me about slowing and helping someone, I listen most of the time. When God speaks in my heart about, I really want you to trust me and I really want you to bless this person, I listen. And there have been times where I've gone to Tammy and said, I heard of a need. It's not a church need. It's, it's a need that I found out that somebody had. Maybe, maybe in states away. And, and I've prayed and I can't get away from it. And I think this is what we're supposed to do. I think we're supposed to help them. And I know that if I turn that down, I close up this door of generosity. And what happens is, is my money becomes mine and mammon begins to creep in on it. And if I am just generous with what God gives, if I just keep my hands open and say, God, you give and you take away according to the book of Job, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that God will do what he wants to do. See, none of us are guaranteed anything in this life. And so what I try to do in my life is strategically give, listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. God typically doesn't shout about this stuff. It's a nudging. It's a gnawing. It's a, I need to do this. Some of you about missions, God's speaking to your heart about that. Some of you about tithing, God's speaking to your heart about that. Some of you, it has nothing to do with anything monetary. It's about a neighbor right now or a friend or a coworker or someone that's in need. Someone that nobody will ever know what you're doing. It's just between you and God. And when you operate with that generosity, you kill that spirit of mammon. You break that spirit. And what it does is it releases you financially because God goes, here's somebody I can trust. How does God finance his kingdom on this earth? How does God meet the needs of the poor? 
and the hurting through people. So he goes, there's a person I can trust, and there's a person I can trust, and there's a person I can trust, and there's a person I can trust. That person, that person, that person, that person, they've got mammon written all over them. I'm going to give it to them, and it's, it's going to end there. They're going to hoard it up, or they're going to blow it. But this person, every time I give them, and I bless them, and I speak to them about giving, they give, and they give, and they give. And it's not just money. It's their time. It's their talent. It's their, they just have this giving. Because generosity has nothing to do with an, with an amount. It has everything to do with an attitude. And so I want to encourage you to just ask yourself the question, how do I view the resources that God's put in my life? Do I view it that they're there to worship Him and to serve His creation? Or do I view it that they're there to to meet my needs? Me. Take care of me. Me first. Because if you do it God's way, just a thought here, the Creator to the creation, He created us. He knows us, that maybe his way is better. And in his way, there comes blessing and freedom beyond anything that you could ever maneuver or work or make or shape. And I encourage you, evaluate your own heart. It's what I said week one. Stop now and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, I just thank you right now. And I just pray you'd speak to us. Lord, every one of us in this room, you know our issues. God, we know our issues. If we're really honest, we know the things that we're battling, that we're dealing with. God, this is something that we all so easily fall into. It's this trap of me and my. It's it's something about just our physical, fleshly nature. But God, you've redeemed us. And in that redemption, you put your super onto our natural. And you want us to be free. It's not that you want us to be paupers. You want us to be free. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. There is something about it. That it's, just, and it's, a very, it's your very nature, Lord. It's for, you loved us so much that you gave. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us today to evaluate this area of our life. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What do I need to do today? Is there an action that I need to do today? Is there a change I need to make today? Is there a conversation that I need to have today? Oh God, I just surrender myself once again to you. I just surrender all that I have to you. And all that you've put under my authority. And I just pray, God, that I would always, Lord, live life with an open hand. You give and you take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. That you are God. You are good. You are my Father. And you being, Lord, my heavenly Father, want to do even so much more greater in my life than what an earthly father could do. I pray, let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen.